Welcome to the BioInsights podcast. This episode is called The Quest for the Holy Grail in AAV Chromatography, Empty Full Separation. I'm Charlotte Barker, and today I'll be exploring challenges and innovations for AAV chromatography in the gene therapy industry with two experts from Merck. Ritesh Krishnan is a senior strategy consultant in Merck's novel modalities bioprocessing group for the Americas. And Oliver Ramo leads Merck's novel modality segment in the purification R&D group, responsible for the development of novel purification strategies for the viral and gene therapy market. Thank you, Ritesh and Oliver, for joining me today. To get us started, what are the challenges for AAV empty full separation? Ollie, we'll go to you first. Charlotte, thanks for having us. So from a market perspective, so there is not the one serotype or not the one cell type and also not the one full to empty capsule ratio. So this can very much uh, vary from cell line to cell line. And we see numbers really between uh, full and empty ratios between 10 to 90%. So this in general generates, I would say, a solid baseline of complexity. And therefore it's hard to have the, the one approach that, that fits them all, right? So most AAV serotypes also feature the same size and only differ in small variations, for example, like density, isoelectric changes, and that appear to the size of genome that are inserted into a full capsules. And even though that these changes in these physical parameters are very small, so there's a range of analytical methods, uh, for example, like uh, ultracentrifugation, capillary active races, that enable a high-resolution separation of the species, However, what we see is they are limited in scale, throughput, rather costly, kind of that facts. And as an alternative to that, ion exchange chromatography or anion exchange chromatography in particularly has been widely explored for this type of application because it is scalable. It enables a higher throughput, less sample preparation that is needed, uh, lower capex and you know, it's also, it follows the principle of classical chromatography purification that everyone is familiar with. But using ion exchange chromatography, the devil is really in the details, I would say. So with current methods, what we see, you can either achieve a good separation efficiency between full and empty capsids, however, at low process yield, or you can achieve a high over process yield albeit at low separation efficiency between full and empty capsids. So this is kind of the, the, the problems that we see. And even if there's pre-existing process knowledge, how to optimize a process, this often leads to time-consuming uh, process development work to fine-tune all of these parameters, such as the, the most dominant like pH, salt, the selection of the right process additive, that is then in the end really necessary to, to, to find a balance between all of those parameters like yield and purity. And to close out, so another further complication, what we see is AV tends to be labor and shows aggregation under certain process conditions. So if you have optimized the process, for example, for certain conditions, 
this can lead to further complications on the formulation. So for example, AV2 seems to be much more hydrophobic than just other serotypes. Great points. Thank you, Oli. Ritesh? So it's also worth noting here, right, from a different angle, that the therapeutic role of empty capsids or even partially full capsids that are formed during AAV packaging may not necessarily be fully understood, right? Uh, the general understanding is that empty capsids provide no therapeutic benefit, but on the other hand, they may be able to increase the innate or adaptive immune responses uh, in gene therapy patients. And, and Oli mentioned this, right? the density differences between the empties and the fulls is, is very minor, right? So 800 of a gram per centimeter cube and the isoelectric point difference between them is just 0.4. So we are talking about very similar species to separate here, which adds to the complexity. Cesium chloride and iodexanol-based uh, ultracentrifugation is, is commonly used in academia and maybe even for small-scale preps and you know, usually in first-generation processes. But as Oli mentioned, the chromatography approach using anion exchange is definitely the desired state due to scalability upon manufacturing. Absolutely. Thank you, Ritesh. And how well understood uh, would you say empty full capsid separation is in the gene therapy industry? What are some of the misconceptions, Ritesh? Yeah, uh, so great question. Uh, you know, not very well would be the very short answer, to be honestly speaking. Uh, the need to remove empty capsids is uh, understood at a high level because, you know, they don't have the gene of interest in them. So it's easy to consider them as an impurity. Uh, but the exact percent of full AAV capsids that is eventually needed is, is vague because the acceptable level is based on clinical experience. Uh, and there is a debate whether they're considered a process-related impurity or could they even have a biological function uh, during treatment. Uh, in a recent conference, there were references to the role of empty capsids as decoys to reduce neutralizing antibody burden as well. So first and foremost, I know I think uh, we need to understand the immune response to MC empty capsids first. Our customer interactions over the last couple of years have led us to a discussions involving a broad number of percent full capsids that is set as target for the process development groups uh, which we interact with. Some aim as close to 100%, while the bottom range may be considerably lower in, in other instances. Some of our customers are hoping for the FDA to set the limits, but I can imagine that it's going to be hard to land on a specific number for any regulatory body without understanding the clinical impact of these empty capsids. So we have a real chicken and egg situation on our hands. The overall goal, though, is to maintain a consistent number of full capsids across the clinical phases of your program that meets your release criteria, and there needs to be an emphasis on robust preclinical and clinical trial designs in order to understand the tolerability of varying levels of purity in these patients. What I recall speaking to, to customer and clients from conferences is they say that a 100% full sample of AV is appropriate in the first place. So, and I think especially after news from 2020, when they were reported some issues with uh, higher dosing of AV that leads to progressive liver dysfunctions. This certainly became fundamental aspects and raised some fundamental safety concerns for the use of AV vectors. So I think this is a critical step to enable the study of the individual serotypes. 
and to further ensure safety of future drug development and administration. Absolutely, definitely some big challenges there. And as you said earlier, no one size fits all solution. Ollie, how would you say Merck is tackling the AAV capture and empty full separation challenge? So yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good and, and a big question. So let, let's start first from a capture perspective. So currently we have ongoing development programs that enable the purification of specific serotypes, while we're also looking at a universal approach, but more from an academia point of view. So combining the one approach over the other, what we see is that a universal approach offers more this greater process flexibility, this templateability view, or to also, I like the term that that one for all solution. While the approaches for a single serotype affinity purification tend to enable a better process economics, higher yield, higher impurity reduction, but in the end, it's just applicable for one specific AVA serotype. So we have one development program that is based on this approach and is for the development of proteins called nanofitines in collaboration with our industry partner, Afilogic. And these nanofitines are small affinity ligands that have been explored from uh, organisms that living in the Yellowstone geysers and just giving by the fact or their nature that those organisms living under extreme harsh conditions, the resulting stability of those nanofitines render them very attractive for any kind of therapeutics applications. So now from an empty to full separation perspective, we are also exploring both options, so meaning resin and membranes. So especially smaller resin particles based on anion exchange chemistry, such as like our fractal resin family, um, they hold promise when we apply an optimized illusion gradient or how we call it a hybrid uh, gradient for finding the balance between process yield and separation efficiency for full and empty capsules. And um, we have plans to further fine tune and optimize these processes through uh, additional collaborations where we also want to look into a, a multi-column approach. But our motivation is also given to have a fully membrane and highly productive based offering. And thus we are also exploring membrane adsorbers such as our Natrix CH in a collaboration with the working group from the university in, in Mannheim. And his group holds great experience in process modeling coming original from the monoclonal antibody market. But we are quite confident that we can apply and transfer kind of this knowledge to AV processes as well. That's a great summary, Ali. And you know, solving this empty full separation challenge is critical so I'm really excited to hear the work, uh, you know, by, by your team, which you just alluded to. But in terms of, um, you know, other teams, uh, including the PD services across the globe, our MSAT teams and customer application teams are also, you know, heavily engaging with our, our customers in solving this issue. So I guess our radar, you know, to answer your question also in another way is to include a two-pronged approach of uh, developing new products and also generating data on existing products such as uh, Fractagel, Lishmuno, and Natrix. Uh, and, and the results, as Oli mentioned, is very promising. Some really interesting innovation going on there. And how, how would you say, how can analytics drive innovation in this area? Oli, let's come back to you. Yeah, great question. So, um, yeah, so having the right analytical tools is 
is really essential to match the pace and the speed of current innovation of AOAV therapies. And because if you don't have the, the right methods, right, to determine a feeds impurity profile, how can you develop the right tools that enable you the purification of AV at a high purity, right? This does not work. So therefore, like advancing product development and keeping up with the speed of manufacturing, we need to have a novel process analytics that combines both effects, so high resolution and high throughput. But when we currently look at the market or from a state-of-the-art perspective, this is currently not given, and all of the end users currently need to combine multiple analytical methods like the readout of UV spectra of A280 to A260, ELISA, qPCR, DDPCR, that need to be combined really for proper impurity profiling or full versus empty ratio determination. And you know, this is also like in the beginning, time consuming, there is a lack in accuracy due to manual handling and data interpretation. And therefore there is uh, definitely a need for innovation. And we see some innovation towards that to have again, this one for all method that gives information for all relevant parameters in one analytical method, such as capsitider, full empty ratio, aggregation level, while it's still enabling a higher throughput and a higher level of automation like this old analytical methods, like mentioned before. And those new methods that hold promise are, for example, like size exclusion, uh, multi-angle light scattering, because they can be implemented at line in a process. However, again, uh, you need high CapEx invest upfront. Uh, user experience is also a point. And these are kind of the the points that we see the still lacking industry adoption. And this is where the Nimble program comes into play. So we are partnering in a Nimble project that started last year with uh, BTEC, NC State, and BioStealth, where we support the development of a microfluidic chip. And this concept is quite innovative because it enables the determination of full and empty capsids on a single device in a portable and simple format. And um, yeah, so despite that, we learn a lot with and from our partners. We are convinced that this concept has great potential to satisfy a growing simplified need for empty to full caps quantification. As a downstream scientist myself, you know, I can I can definitely confirm, right? There is no process without analytics, right? I think innovation in analytics is absolutely critical to find the root cause of um, this process issue. Looking to the future then, how do you expect to see technology for AAV capture and empty full separation evolve, say, over the next five years? Ritesh? Yeah, so great question. So as an optimist, <laughs> I'm confident that we'll be very close to solving this challenge for the most part, if not completely. Uh, one of the reasons being that uh, empty versus full is not always an isolated a downstream issue. So tackling the production of more full capsids upstream meaning uh, inside the bioreactor is a commonly available solution. Improvements in uh, HEK production systems is expected, and perhaps uh, the use of bacula virus expression systems may also be a valid answer, where percent full capsids are generally higher at the end of harvest based on what we see in literature. There are other considerations to this approach, though, even though insect cells may give higher percent full titers, 
but then there is a need to deal with the higher level of feed impurities that then shifts the bottleneck back to the downstream group. The size of the payload or the gene of interest that is used might also affect the separation efficiency from what we see. So this is going to be you know, lingering as a, as a challenge. Uh, and from a downstream lens, innovative products such as what Ollie has alluded to, and also creative processes such as uh, hybrid salt and pH gradient dilution on uh, anion exchange chromatography resins, uh, resolution enabling agents and buffers like you know, the divalent magnesium ions have been attempted with varying degrees of success. Uh, what I also hope will uh, ultimately happen is more transparency in the data that is made available. I can guarantee that there is so much work happening on MTFOL in uh, process development labs across the globe, but we hear very little about it, right? Because, you know, obvious reasons, this is perhaps uh, an internal secret, which I hope will soften and even change in the coming years with published literature coming out from solution providers such as ourselves. Zooming out a bit and taking a sort of big picture view, how will future trends in AAV capsid design and production, how will that affect purification? Ritesh, let's come back to you on this. Yeah, I really wish I had a crystal ball with me. So historically, we've used AAV serotypes 1 through 10, but we are seeing the era of hybrid serotypes emerging through a novel capsid design, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that are customized to target organs of interest with higher transduction efficiencies than currently available serotypes. You know, for example, we see AAVDJ, AAVDJ-8, RH10, PHP. These serotypes novel are shown to target the central nervous system better. Based on properties such as uh, upstream packaging efficiency and charge ratios, there will still be challenges to overcome, as we have been discussing all this while. I believe the purification focus, though, will you know, stay constant. In other words, we need to be consistently delivering product that meets release criteria and ultimately guiding patient safety. Moving to templated chromatography processes will be desired, but it could well be a case-by-case approach depending on the complexity of this fine separation with, with these new serotypes. Yeah, I, I, I agree what Rajesh said. And, and further to add on that, I think it will in the end be in any ways that we need to have orthogonal tools because uh, we see a lot of invention in this respect um, towards novel serotype um, development, but it's still very, it's very challenging to predict the future. Uh, what should be the next target for a big affinity development project. So therefore, maybe we also need to consider to have like more universal approach, even in a universal affinity development project like described before, or just to promote more uh, products that are based on ion exchange chromatography, for example. And therefore, we also saw just recently some some great um, results as a as an orthogonal tool to just classical affinity. Thank you, Ollie and Ratish, for sharing your insights with us today. This episode was brought to you in partnership with Merck. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe to the BioInsights podcast.